Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Later in the show today, we're going to talk with Brooke Gladstone, who is the co-host of WNYC's On the Media. We're going to talk about the media's handling so far of the Trump administration and her new book, The Trouble with Reality. So you're going to want to tune into that here from her talk with her about what the media look like these days, what it is like to be a member of the media dealing with the roiling changes that have come almost on a daily basis now from the Trump administration. Also, remember, if you are heading into work or just about to move on with your day and can't stick with us for the show, you can still hear today's full edition of Detroit Today. You just need to get the Detroit Today podcast if you go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. You can download and subscribe to us, and then you can listen to the show whenever you want or wherever you want. All right, up front, every day this week has seemed to bring a new scandal out of the White House on Monday. It was a Washington Post story that said President Trump apparently gave classified intelligence about ISIS to Russian officials. Yesterday, it was a New York Times story that Trump had allegedly asked former FBI Director James Comey to end his investigation into former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Another New York Times article also said Trump made it clear he wants to arrest journalists who publish classified information. One of the byproducts of these controversies has been an increasing number of comparisons between what's going on around President Trump and what happened to Richard Nixon in the early 1970s. He resigned in 1974 amid the Watergate scandal. Are these fair comparisons, and is it useful to look at the Nixon White House to help interpret what's happening now in 2017? I think these are questions that have incredible agency in the last few weeks, uh, but they have been around almost since Donald Trump took office. Think of the manner in which he has conducted himself as president, this sort of strongman tactics he has used quite publicly uh, from the Oval Office. Think of the secrecy that uh, seems to shroud this administration, the way it makes decisions, and think of the nature of the scandals that have unfolded out of this White House. People have been talking almost since January 20th about the comparisons between Nixon and Trump. But in the last few weeks, first with the firing of James Comey and Trump's admission that it was the Russia investigation that was on his mind when he made that decision, and now this disclosure that he may have asked FBI Director Comey several months ago to end his investigation into NSA advisor Michael Flynn, who was dismissed because of complications with his relationship with Russia. It's an important reminder that these are precisely the things that forced Richard Nixon to resign, that at the time he left in 1974, no one really knew if he was in fact involved in the Watergate burglary. No one knew if he ordered it, if he was even aware of it. What they did know was that he had obstructed justice. He had interfered into the investigations that sprang from that burglary and the other questions that bubbled up during that administration. How is that different from what President Trump is facing? 
Is it different from what President Trump is facing? Is it maybe much ado about nothing? Is it, as the president says, uh, an effort by Democrats who lost the election last year to undo the results of that election through some other means. We want to hear from you today, especially about this. We have been uh, talking a lot about uh, all of these questions uh, on the show these these last few weeks. Uh, I think it's really important, though, to keep the listeners in on that conversation. I'm very curious about what people are seeing out of this administration and what they're thinking about, it, especially if you were a Donald Trump supporter, if you voted for the president last November. What do you think about these things that we're learning about his behavior in the Oval Office? Does it not bother you? Are you are you of the mind that uh, the Democrats are somehow fueling this or trying to push it to try to undo the election? Or are you really troubled by the idea of a chief executive who seems unaware or perhaps uh, quite aware and, and comfortable with the idea of uh, interfering in things that typically the chief executive ought to stay out of. Is it that he doesn't know what the rules are? Or is it that he is purposely flouting those rules? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the uh, the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. You can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work your comments into the conversation. And joining me now to talk about this idea of the potential parallels, at least, between what we're seeing with Donald Trump and what we saw with Richard Nixon is Melvin Small. He's a distinguished professor of history emeritus at Wayne State University and author of The Presidency of Richard Nixon and other books about the Nixon era. Melvin Small, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, thanks, Stephen. Yeah. So let's just start with that uh, th- that big question. Is there a, a fair paris- parallel uh, to draw between what we're seeing unfold in the very early days of the Trump presidency and what we saw consume and ultimately end the presidency of Richard Nixon? Well, we're really early in the Trump presidency. We have to remember that the Watergate break-in took place in June of 72, and Nixon resigned after the uh, House committee passed articles of impeachment in August 74. And now we're talking about 100 days or so, 110, 15 days. There are many things that are happening now that have eerie parallels, but it's nowhere near as serious as the sort of stuff that started showing up in 73 and 74, which led ultimately to Nixon's resignation. Yeah. Uh, talk about what those things Well, for were. example, the, the whole FBI connection is fascinating. Uh, it's like, the, if you don't mind me being a bit of a historian sure. here. Uh, in 1970, Nixon uh, was dissatisfied with how the FBI and other intelligence agencies were handling hippies and yippies and, and the black power people, and he wanted to centralize intelligence in the White House. Uh, this was the so-called Houston Plan. Uh-huh. The head of the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover, who had been running the FBI since 1924, the only director at that point, refused because by this point, intrepid journalists were on to his illegal and extra-legal acts prior to 1970. So finally, in 71, uh, exasperated, Nixon said, oh, i got to fire the guy. But Nixon, like Trump, obviously, didn't like to meet people face-to-face. Mm-hmm. He had to because he's known Hoover for so long. And so he invites Hoover to the Oval Office. And we have this documented on uh, September 9, 1971. 
And Nixon begins kind of nervous about dealing with Hoover. You know, I think he called him John. You know, uh, <laughs> there comes a time when someone gets kind of old, and, and you might want to... And then Hoover cuts him off, because he knows what's going on. And he <laughs> says, well, that's ridiculous. You're still a young man, he says to Nixon. <laughs> At which point Nixon backs off and then tells his staff, make believe this meeting never happened. Okay, so the story goes on. In, in Hoover dies in May of 72, and now it gives Nixon the opportunity to appoint a loyalist who was a, kind of a mediocre L. Patrick Gray. Uh -huh. In his confirmation hearings to be the director of the FBI, Gray, Gray explains to the committee naively that he's been cooperating in the Watergate investigation with John Dean and others in the White House, at which point... Gray can no longer be the, uh, at which point he, is, uh, he, he withdraws his name from consideration because it shows the FBI had been colluding with the White House during the uh, FBI investigation. So there's this um, amazing FBI connection. Uh, and in fact, uh, it was possible that Nixon would have been the first to fire an FBI director, but he didn't have the guts to do it, particularly face-to-face. <laughs> right. -face. right. Well, and, and frankly... Um it probably was to Nixon's advantage, I would say, that he didn't fire J. Edgar Hoover because uh, I think it's it's clear that as president you have an enormous power. I mean, the presidency is surrounded by, uh, uh, sort of defined by tremendous power. But the one person I think that uh, you don't have uh, that sort of ultimate power over or would or would not want to give up uh, ultimate power over uh, as your F as a member of your administration is the FBI director because that person is likely to have or to know things that you wouldn't want out there and that seems to me to be the sort of cardinal sin that that President Trump has now committed that that James Comey, whether he liked him or did not like him, whether he thought he was doing a good job or didn't, is somebody who has a tremendous amount of information about what was going on inside the White House just for this you know brief period of time, but of course also has lots of information about what was going on during the during the campaign. Uh, Nixon never made that error. We've seen Trump make it and it seems as though, at least in the early days, it, it's going to come back to haunt him. Yeah, it was uh, in many ways an unforced error. Uh, the big difference between Trump and Nixon, uh, Nixon was far more disciplined. Uh, he yes. was uh, more dignified. He was not as impulsive, although occasionally he was during the Watergate crisis, but most of the time he was not as impulsive as Donald Trump appears to be. And more importantly, up until about uh, early spring of 73, his his administration was pretty airtight when it came to leaks, which is not the case, obviously, with the Trump administration. Sure. Uh, this... uh, I, I should point out, with, yeah, for me, I, I can tell you an anecdote which shows the difference between Nixon, one major difference, even though it's a small anecdote, between Nixon and Trump. We all read the story in Time magazine how uh, Trump had two scoops of ice cream and everyone else had one scoop of ice cream. <laughs> right. And that Trump had special uh, had diet coke and everyone else had water. Well, the, the parallel with Nixon is kind of interesting. When Nixon was a lawyer in New York in his period of exile between uh, his, his vice presidency and his presidency, he learned to become a wine connoisseur. Hmm. So in the White House, whenever there was kind of a, a, a state dinner or even a dinner for some uh, local politicians, he served naturally as a nationalist very good California wine. He himself drank Chateau Lafitte Rothschild. He was very proud of that. However, here's the difference. 
the server who served Nixon, his Chateau Lafitte Rothschild, always covered up the label with that traditional napkin you use when you serve wine. <laughs> so he had enough sense to know it would be awful for other people to know that he was drinking Chateau Lafitte <laughs> while they were drinking California, whereas Trump didn't care that people saw that he had two scoops of ice cream and everyone else had one. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a really illustrative uh, example there. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Melvin Small. He's a distinguished professor of history emeritus at Wayne State University and author of The Presidency of Richard Nixon and other books about the Nixon era. We're talking about the parallels or the potential parallels between what we're seeing from the early days of the administration of Donald Trump and what we saw consume and ultimately end the presidency of Richard Nixon. Is President Trump's firing of FBI Director James Comey and the disclosure that he may have asked Comey to end the investigation uh, into his administration's connection with the Russians, are these tantamount to the kinds of things that Richard Nixon did in advance of his resignation in 1974, or is that uh, overblown? Is that an exaggeration, a political exaggeration, intended to undo the results of last year's election? We well, want to hear from you about that uh, on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. We also can hear from you on uh, Facebook at the WDET Facebook page. Or if you want to go to Twitter and hashtag us at Detroit Today, we can work your comments into the conversation. Melvin, go ahead. Uh, it, they're, they're not the same at all. Uh, I, I've been reading and listening and watching lawyers talk about this, and obviously they're all over the ballpark, as well as congresspersons. Uh, about whether this is uh, uh, obstruction of justice. Yes. You have to look at what Nixon did, at, at least what we know from the tapes. Among other things, he told the uh, head of the, the second in charge of the CIA to help tell the head of the FBI, at this point L. Patrick Gray, mm -hmm. to go easy on the Watergate investigation, don't follow the money, and so on. So he did that. That's clearly an obstruction of justice. Yes. He also told his advisors, in case they were going to be called before congressional meetings, how to suborn perjury. He suborned perjury. He yes. told them how to lie about, yes. I mean, literally, we have this on tape. And finally, among other things, there are many more, but among other things, we have him talking about getting money to bribe people not to speak about what happened at Watergate. And he said he knew where he could get the money and how much money it would be. That's real obstruction of justice. Right, right. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a very bright line, egregious case, and we are not, we are not in that realm. We're not there. Uh, However, the firing of, uh, of Comey is something similar to the firing of the independent uh, special prosecutor, uh, which took the so-called Saturday Night Massacre, to which the firing of Comey is related. In this case, uh, he, he had the right to fire the independent prosecutor who uh, had an argument with the president about releasing his tapes. Yeah. And when, when uh, Nixon offered a compromise, which Cox did not, Archibald Cox was made the independent prosecutor, who was a Kennedy person, unfortunately, for Nixon, a Harvard law professor, mm -hmm. uh, Cox was fired when he wouldn't accept the, uh, the, the uh, arrangement that Nixon offered him. Now, this led to among other things, in 24 hours, this is on a Saturday weekend, to 150,000 telegrams hitting the White House. Wow. Now, you say, well, that's not a lot. You know, think of, think of 150,000 telegrams, however, as perhaps 10,000 YouTube hits, or maybe uh, a couple of million, uh, 10 million YouTube hits, or a couple of million sure. uh, 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 twi Twitter, uh, Facebook likes. So, and more importantly, if you think about this than the media, this 
firing of Cox led to Time Magazine publishing the first editorial in its long history right. as a magazine. Right, right. Uh, okay, we're going to take a quick call here and then uh, get to a quick break. Uh, Michael in Detroit. Michael, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, good morning. Thanks a lot for taking my call. Hey, good. Thanks um, for The professor just kind of alluded to the question I was going to raise. Uh, there was mention made that um, the... Uh, situation with Nixon kind of took about two years to reach its culmination in, in his resignation. Right. And I'm wondering what the thought is as in terms of the different media landscape that exists now, uh, what is that, 40-some years later. Um, you know, the tempo and the pace of the stories is so much more rapid now, and I, I'm wondering what effect that might have on the, the political uh, process. Yeah, uh, Michael, that's a, that's a great question. It is a very different time on the media landscape than it was 40 years ago. Uh, Melvin Small, does that, does that no, that's really a good point. accelerate uh, the, the, the pace here? Well, it may very well, although, again, we haven't reached anything near what Nixon was up to in that time period. But at, when we're talking about 1972, 73, we had three 6.30 news hours, ABC, NBC, CBS, right. <laughs> no cable news, and a very feeble, a very small audience watching PBS news. So that was it. We didn't have round-the-clock news. Uh, we didn't have social media. Uh, my wife put on her uh, email today, uh, the Yahoo uh, homepage, and this morning there must have been six or seven fresh stories on, uh, on Trump and Comey and the like. This was not available to us back in, uh, in sure. 1972-1974, so maybe, maybe things would move somewhat more quickly here. Yeah. Okay, uh, Lauren on Twitter says, Comparison seems rather unfair. After all, the FBI never investigated Nixon for colluding with a foreign adversary to undermine our democracy. Lauren, with a little humor there, uh, maybe the comparison is unfair to President Nixon. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about the potential comparisons between what we're seeing out of the early days of the Trump administration and what we saw out of the Nixon administration. We want to hear from you again on the phones, 313-577-1019, Cindy in Belleville, Chris in Ann Arbor, Tom in Detroit. We will get to you. Stay with us. WDET, bringing you culture and information that empowers our community. Every day. On 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Melvin Small. He's a distinguished professor of history emeritus at Wayne State University and the author of The the Presidency of Richard Nixon and other books about the Nixon era. We are talking about what's happening with the presidency of Donald Trump, allegations that he may have asked former FBI James Comey not to continue the investigation into Michael Flynn, who was the national security advisor, forced to resign in amid the scandal over uh, connections between the Trump campaign last year and the Russian government. Is this the same kind of pattern we saw 
during the Nixon years that led to the end of the Nixon presidency. We want to hear from you about that. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Chris in Ann Arbor. Chris, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Um, I just want to say from... To compare uh, Trump and Nixon is really an insult to Nixon. Uh, you know, for all his faults, he was at least a strategic thinker. He was a savvy and, and canny politician. Uh, he could plan ahead. Uh, you know, he didn't get his hands dirty too much by himself. He had other people do the firings, other people do the break-ins. Trump is just a big ball of impulsive, you know, rage in the moment, responding to whatever. Uh, and it's going to be it's going to lead to a much faster downfall for him as well. Uh, yeah. Do, do you think, though, that um, I mean, when you say the comparison is unfair to President Nixon, uh, I mean, do you do you do you then think that there is no no similarity in the, the kinds of things that we're sort of talking about or, or, or seeing here? I mean, I get what you're saying about uh, the difference between the men. Right. And the difference between the men as president. But in these spaces where you are talking about, uh, you know, potential obstruction of justice, uh, things like that, uh, do you think that's an unfair comparison? Yeah, I, I think that's actually a very good comparison. Uh, if anything, Trump is probably worse in that respect, in that he's so much more uh, clumsy and obvious about uh, his, his apparent, you know, law breaking. And we're going to see more from these memos. There's, you know, there's probably much worse in the memos yet to come out. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, thank you very much uh, for the call and for the thoughts there. Let's go to Tom in Northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit. Yeah, good morning. You know, I'm looking I'm I'm looking for Ken Starr in the daytime with a flashlight. But, you know, <laughs> but any but aside from that little joke, um every day that goes by, Donald Trump number 45 is proving former president Barack Obama true to what he said that he does not that, Donald Trump does not have the sound mind and temperament to be president of this country. And, I mean, you know, with him firing Comey, I don't know what he was, oh, God, I'm about to insult myself, but he thought that getting, you know, firing Comey, he was going to go away. No, Donald, he does not go away because when they start having these hearings, Yates is going to be at those hearings and Comey is going to be there. And guess what? They're going to be like a refrigerator that's gone bad, and they're going to open up the door, and they're going to reveal everything. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think that's probably an accurate assessment of what, what we're going to see. And, and it almost as if, uh, is as if the president hasn't learned that lesson, you know, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Yeah. Uh, and that, that may come back to, to bite him here. Tom, thanks very much uh, for, that, for that thought. Uh, Melvin Small. You know, I wonder about uh, the 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 specter of tapes. Uh, the president, uh, in a very odd move, uh, among you know among odd moves, uh, an especially odd move, uh, seemed to suggest that there might be tapes of of conversations. I mean, uh, after uh, after Comey left, he he sort of threatened on Twitter. You know, you better better watch what you say because there may be tapes. Tapes were, of course, not a help to President Nixon, who who recorded uh, all of his conversations in in the Oval Office. I, I I wonder if that also is a misstep that sort of gives an opening to the president's enemies to uh, try to make something out of 
to make more out of this than maybe it is. I can't imagine that the Trump people would be so foolish as to maintain a taping system because of what happened to Nixon. Since that period, I doubt uh, whether many presidents have done much taping, and I really doubt whether Trump has done that taping. Although, interestingly, today, uh, it's just moving so quickly, uh, President Putin said that he has a transcript of the meeting. The meeting in the, the so, so perhaps one of those guys, uh, the, the ambassador, had a tape recorder in his pocket. But uh, let me go back to uh, the interesting thing about the tapes and Comey. Uh-huh. There's a parallel. Uh, when John Dean, in effect, turned state's evidence, and he appeared before the, uh, the, House, uh, judici- the House Special Committee on the Election, this is in the spring of 73, and Dean spoke for hours uh, detailing what happened uh, when, he, when he was advising the president to, in effect, obstruct justice. And then, of course, Nixon said, well, no, it's his, Nixon's people said it's his word against mine. Well, here you got Comey. He has a document, and it's, uh, of course, we're talking now about Dean having page 246 pages of documents that he read to the committee. Right. So Comey now has the, has the document, and the Trump people are saying, no, no, uh, he... he, he Trump didn't say, President Trump didn't say that. And now we have the possibility that there are tapes which will, in fact, reinforce Comey. Uh, although I, I doubt that. I really doubt that Trump kept serious tapes, a lot of tapes, knowing that his, I mean, his advisors knew the history of tapes. Yeah. And it's, it's never really worked out for the person oh, gosh, who, no. uh, who was actually doing the recording. Uh, let's go to Cindy in Belleville. Cindy, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Hey, how are you? Um, Good. A couple points I wanted to make. Uh, Donald Trump, as Donald Trump does everything out in the open. Uh, Nixon's nickname, if you remember, was Tricky Dick. He did everything behind the scenes. Where Donald Trump openly said during the campaign he could shoot somebody in the middle of what Fifth Avenue or right. Times Square, and everybody would still support him. That's essentially what he's doing now. Faulting yeah. every policy, every rule, every law, and, and just waiting for somebody to challenge him. Yeah. So if I may cut in, Stephen, Go ahead, uh, no. because this is one thing that's been left out of our conversation. Uh-huh. Remember now that in 72, 74, there was a rather large Democratic majority in Congress both the Senate and the House. And they're the ones that enable these commissions and and investigations, aside from the FBI investigations, to take place. But there was still a tremendous amount of partisanship. In the spring of 74, we're talking 74 now, Uh when the impeachment committee voted to give the the chair of the committee subpoena power, the vote was 21 Democrats, 17 Republicans against. Well, now you got the Democrats in that position. And one of the reasons why... Trump may be able to shoot someone on Fifth Avenue is that so far, almost, almost to a person, the Republicans have been very leery of challenging Trump and behaving like the Democrats did in 72-74 when Nixon was accused of a variety of illegal activities. Yeah, but the turning point for Republicans in that era was indeed this idea of Nixon interfering in the wheels of justice. In other words, once the, the, it became clear that he was obstructing the investigations, that's when Republicans started to peel off. Um, is but, that- but, see, but, but there's a problem, because the problem would be that uh, in order to get to the information about obstructing justice, you need, uh, you a, need a Democratic yeah. uh, Congress and a Democratic Senate and House having investigations and making that point. 
the Republicans so far have been sitting on their, generally sitting on their hands or moving at a glacial pace. We don't know if things are going to change tomorrow or next month, but right now, if I was a Democrat, I wouldn't be very sanguine about uh, repeating the Nixon situation with Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Cindy. Thank you very much for the for the comment and the call. Uh, let's go to Jeffrey in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit today. Hi. Hey. Uh, yeah, I think a major distinction between Trump and Nixon is that uh, Nixon was from the world of politics. Trump, on the other hand, is from the world of business, not only publicly traded business, but a, a privately owned CEO where when he says jump, everyone has to say how high. Right. And uh, I think that's the problem is he thinks that's that's it, it uh, explains his affinity for all these autocratic rulers who don't really have to, you know, they don't have to deal with uh, checks and balances of power. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey, I think that's a really great uh, I think that's a really great comparison or distinction to draw between. Uh, the two men, Melvin Small, uh, talk about the things that Nixon understood as a politician. I mean, this was a guy with a very long uh, political career, suffered losses, tremendous setbacks, had lost the presidency in 1960, but had been vice president before that, comes back, reclaims uh, his sort of political mojo and, and wins. I mean, this was somebody who really did understand the landscape in a different way than Donald Trump does. Interestingly, he was among the best prepared presidents we've ever had. That's right. Beginning with his congressional election in 46, and he was a senator and the vice president, and then, of course, running for president twice. If anything, his resume is comparable to Hillary, Hillary Rodham Clinton. <laughs> right. You want to make a case for that. But it is true. Uh, but you think if Trump has always told us how smart he was and how quick he was, and yes. he didn't need to look at intelligence very carefully. If that's the case, then he hasn't learned what it is to be a president and how our government worked. It's apparent he doesn't know how the government works. I think he doesn't know how the media works uh, and, and how the, uh, the, the cable news... I mean, here's a president who's spending his time with all these other things going on, watching cable news yeah. and commenting on it. It is true that Richard Nixon was strongly critical of a variety of people in the media and sports and entertainment. He had an enemies list, but that was secret. And much of the stuff that Nixon said on his secret tapes, which he never thought would ever be exposed to the light of day, are the kinds of things that Trump is saying in the open through his tweets, right. which is astounding. Right. Uh, do you think that's a reflection of the difference in the media landscape? Again, that, that uh, Trump is able to say these things because we live in an era where everybody is saying things and sort of expressing ideas out in the open that they used to keep to themselves. And in another era, in the Nixon era, for instance, uh, people feared that if you said those things out, out in the open, you know, your, your career would be over. Well, that was certainly the case with Nixon when you compare his public versus his private conversation. But I, I think that the tweets have been around for a while, and certainly uh, President Obama tweeted from time to time. But nothing like the kind of the bitter and mean and sometimes petty tweets that this president is turning out probably uh, like three or four or five times a week. Yeah. This is unusual. It's not be, uh, you cannot blame the current media and what's available to us uh, as a reason for why Trump is doing these tweets. Yeah.
Yeah. Okay, Melvin Small, Distinguished Professor of History Emeritus at Wayne State University, author of The Presidency of Richard Nixon and other books about the Nixon era. Thank you very much for joining and us. thank you and to your audience. Absolutely. All right, up next, we're going to talk with On the Media host Brooke Gladstone about how media have handled the Trump administration so far, and we'll talk about her new book, The Trouble with Reality. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Thank you.